Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Sharon, and here's where it gets interesting. Raise your hand if you want salon perfect nails for just $2 a manicure. Yeah, me too. With the Alvin June Manny system, you can say goodbye to expensive services that take hours and hours and love your nails more than ever. I would know I've been doing it for years. Get 20% off your first Manny system with code PERFECTMANNY20 at alvinjune.com slash PERFECTMANNY20. That's PERFECTMANNY20 at alvinjune.com slash PERFECTMANNY20. Everybody, welcome to the What Culture Gaming Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Tilford, joined by James Dowers. Hello there, Scott. And Josh Brown. Hello there. Hello. I thought you were going to do a longer intro there, just so just hello. Got to keep you on your toes, hello. just like you switch up the, the, the who you go you to know, first every yeah. week. Never, ever know. You never yeah. know. So, but another thing that you'll never know is what the hell Xbox is going to be doing for the rest of 2022, because their plans are up in the end. Now, we thought we'd do a conversation on just the state of Xbox stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, because um, as of this week, uh, various reports that have come out about the developer called The Initiative, which was the first quadruple A game studio that Xbox had under their wing, made up of various veterans from teams like Ubisoft and, well, all sorts of different teams. And um, with this in mind, loads of people have left this studio. There's a whole new report from Video Game Chronicle VGC saying that over 34 people left in 2021. And this is the team that's meant to be putting together the reboot of Perfect Dark. And so there's this whole thing about the, um, the state of the studio and the overall state of the various Xbox exclusives and the state of Xbox as a brand. So I'm going to open it up and then we'll go down to some specific stuff. But I mentioned this because that was the thing that made um, the thing that made us want to do the podcast in the first place. James Towers, what do you think of the old Xbox? A quadruple studio. Quadruple A quadruple studio. A. With just, how many people work there? External screaming. Um, 34 people left last year. Um, apparently now it's under 50 people. Under 50 people. They've just hired another 12. Um, so <laughs> got Is that quadruple A? I, well, that was the thing when it, when it was initially announced that they were going to be rebooting Perfect Dark. It uh-huh. was like, well, we're doing it because everyone talks about AAA game production. Mm-hmm. It was like, it'll be the world's first quadruple A studio, which is just, ah. The thing with studio sizes is like, what, 343 has like 1.7 billion people who works for them? <laughs> Still terrible game. So <laughs> if there is 40 people who work for this, you know, it doesn't really matter about the number of people who mm. works for them, maybe. 12 people made No Man's Sky. And yeah, that game's yeah, incredible. Exactly. And look, so, yeah. I, I remember yeah. the backlash to that yeah. one. It wasn't yeah. the biggest people expected. <laughs> Not from this guy. Not from you. Not you had to you. fight me away from the Game of the Year rankings. That was almost 2016's Game of the Year. <laughs> the thing about the initiative and Perfect Dark in general is just, it's just so strange the way that thing's rolled out. You know, mm. we had the cinematic trailer. We had all these boasts about it being a quadruple A experience. But like you two have alluded to there, you know, that that team size, even before these people left, wasn't quadruple A size. You no. know, games nowadays are made by hundreds of people, if not thousands, when it comes to the case of mm-hmm. Ubisoft games mm-hmm. or whatever. Mm-hmm. And obviously, you know, quantity of developers isn't always better than quantity developers and having a good framework. 
But it doesn't sound like they've got that either, Scott Tilford, from no. this uh, report. So the report on the VG th- VGC thing said that the amount of veteran uh, staff that were coming in thought that overall the way the uh, studio would work would be more of a bottom-up um, initiative, like a literal initiative, obviously the name of the studio, but in terms of the way that they would agree on different game ideas, level designs, whatever it is, the collective would form those ideas and then go forward. Instead, it's been more down to uh, Daniel Gallagher, and I think it's called, his surname's Gallagher anyway. Uh-huh. I'm defaulting to the one Gallagher I know, who's Simon Gallagher, who left this place. But anyway, um, the two people who are at the top are uh, Dan Newberger and this other person who are apparently trying to take the reins on everything, and that's annoyed the vast majority of the people working under them, yep. um, which is why so many people left across 2021. So it just is that thing where um, these the, the guy that's still remaining, uh, Mr. Gallagher, is is one of the heads of Crystal Dynamics, mm-hmm. um, and so he's apparently got a very specific way he likes to make games, and that's what he's trying to do with this new team, but that largely seems to have peed off the majority of people that came in expecting it to be this new way of making a game and mm-hmm. trying to make the most of all the different talents that are mixed in. Um, overall, though, I mean, how much stock were either of you putting in Perfect Dark in general? I wasn't really... I kind of keep forgetting this thing's even happening, I to be honest. completely forgot. <laughs> yeah, very little stock. I mean, I, I, was, mm. I was looking forward to it tentatively, but like, I wasn't sold mm. on it. You know, mm. I needed to see more. I needed to know more about the studio. Mm. It feels like every single time Xbox um, comes up with a new studio like this to make um, games or whatever... Uh, they just don't get it right. Something about the no. culture they don't get right. Something about like the way they make up these teams they don't get right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and more often than not, they've had a few successes, obviously. Uh, like the Coalition, who made the Gears yeah. franchise. Mm-hmm. They seem to be doing really well. They got Rod Ferguson in, who obviously had mm-hmm. Gears experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, but with you know the likes of 343 constantly losing people, and that internally apparently being a nightmare. Now with the initiative, you know the, the boss is not meshing with the other developers it just uh like what's mike how is microsoft like overseeing these teams and why have they well, got, I, why do they keep letting it happen? have they got too many teams now i think they might do maybe i mean like, i was like i said this on uh, on monday podcast and before we started recording but i still can't believe they let halo infinite get in the state that mm-hmm. it was in um, and this was a year before the actual launch where you know it, was, it felt like phil spencer sort of did the um walk into the room everything's on fire meme and just sort <laughs> of went like oh actually we can't put this out and um, let's delay it by a whole year but i couldn't believe they got that close to the actual launch day, the potential uh, launch day, and they had such half-made code that they were showing off. I just, from then, I've kind of gone, right, they assumedly let all their teams do whatever, and they check back in later down the line, but to a fault. And I don't, and we can talk about how much that contrasts with the way PlayStation runs stuff, where everything feels the same across most of their studios, but yeah, that's where I'm at. It's it's strange, because, you know, if, if Microsoft was, you know, putting their nose in all of mm. these different projects and like really micromanaging them. I'm mm. sure we, we'd be on this podcast being like, why do they keep doing this? Like, why do that they is where I'm at with places. Like, yeah. grip on it. For me, in theory, them stepping back and allowing the teams to do whatever they want to do and kind of check in now and again mm. and just, just for regular updates, but without putting pressure on them. To me, that's a good way to run things. You know, it yeah. means the teams retain a sense of mm. individuality, but Microsoft should be making sure that those teams have strong creative leads who have a structure, who have a, who have kind of like ideas of when they're going to hit milestones because, mm. you know, 343 just sounds like they were all over the place. You know, yeah. creative directors coming and going. Nobody knew the status of that. Uh, so it's kind of it's kind of a double-edged sword. I don't want Microsoft to suddenly step in to all of these developers and publishers that they've acquired and be like, right, you need to do it this way. Mm. At the same time, they need to make sure that the teams that they have are ship-shape and mm-hmm. you know, running efficiently and everyone's happy and everyone's moving towards the same goal. Because the biggest killer in the video game development world mm. is you know mismanagement and it's a lack of a, a kind of vision for what a game should be and how to get that, how to execute that vision. You know, 
look at all the reports from Jason Schreier or whoever, VGC, mm. whoever, um, whether farmer. it's uh, Mass Effect Andromeda, whether it's Destiny, the th- issue at the heart of all those games, more than engines, more than anything else, is always the creative directors not fully understanding the mm. game or not fully communicating that to their developers mm. and that causing issues. Like, we keep running into that problem. Yeah, that's true. We need true. to eliminate that problem at the top level first. Which I think is what uh, Newberger and Gallagher were trying to do with this new team. It's like, we'll be at the top, it'll be a top-down management thing, you guys all answer to us and that'll be cool. But then the amount of people they brought in this year, like the, that whole push to be this quadruple-A thing, meant that you did get all these different people in who had a better idea or a potential potential idea for art direction, level design, whatever it was, um, and they couldn't make that stuff work, it just couldn't coalesce. So, like I said, the amount of people that have left is um, quite staggering, it's interesting or fascinating that like 50 or so people are doing what is arguably the flagship thing for Xbox, like alongside something like Starfield, um, in terms of a new studio anyway. Um, but also in terms of like an IP, I mean, Perfect Arc is a weird thing to bank on, like mm-hmm. now, like, I mean, that hasn't been relevant for 20 years. Um, I know there's a big 20 year push everywhere right now, but it feels like Perfect Arc isn't gonna be the thing that brings in everybody. Well, they released it with that rare replay that mm. came out in 2014 or yeah. whatever, and that just disappeared, didn't it? That, like, <laughs> they didn't promote, like, both the games, there's two, isn't there? The Perfect Dad and Perfect Dad Zero. Yes. They were both in Rare Replay. Mm-hmm. Why aren't they promoting those? Being like, look, you can play these. It's true. I mean, they could have done a whole like Series X. I think there is um, upgrades for Rare Replay if you play it on Series X. There is the whole- well, who knows about that? Thing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, there's very little there to actually yeah. incentivize you to go pick up those things and revitalize the franchise itself. Yeah. But yeah, in terms of, that was just thing, something I wanted to touch on in regards to, it felt like they put a lot of their chips in that direction. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the um, end of the VGC report says that they don't expect the game to be coming for another few years, um, which is, you know, it's already been a couple of years since we knew it was coming anyway. So it's like, that's just over there now. Like if that comes together, it does, but whatever. Um, something else that happened um, across the last week was Phil Spencer talking about um, they have a lot more work to, to do in regards to securing a monthly schedule for their games, um, which I was saying to Josh on the Monday podcast, I can't believe that they haven't got something wow. sorted. Yeah. Like after this long, like we went through a whole other generation that was messy as hell. Mm-hmm. And when they launched the Xbox One X with like PUBG and it was just like, <laughs> and it was just terrible. I was just like, how have you guys not got this stuff locked down? Mm-hmm. Um, but the question I want to put out is like, do you think that they'll get there? Do you think that they become this juggernaut of turnaround where they start having something first party every month? It's on Game Pass, it's free, etc. Because we can also fold in uh, Michael Pachter's comments and he's, he's, I don't think he's been right most of his life, but he's had this, it's a hell of a prediction saying that PlayStation will cease to be um, within the next decade or so because Microsoft will take up such a lead in this regard and that there'll be no space for PlayStation. What do you guys think of that stuff? I think that's crazy. I think that's when, <laughs> the same as when people said consoles were going to die and mobile yeah. was going to reign supreme. Single player games, who needs them? Uh, all, who all them? I'm saying is I've been in the content game for a while now and I know that big punchy headlines are <laughs> the thing that uh, get people talking and get people in. It's all, it's all I'm saying about that. That was but very, no, yeah, it's very packed up. I think, um, you know, there's, I think there's always going to be space for PlayStation. Like mm-hmm. Microsoft can claw as much of the market as they want with streaming. They can make these great services, but people are going to come for the franchises, the IP in to a certain extent the brand as well. People mm. align themselves yeah, yeah. with brands for better or worse. Mm. And PlayStation at the, at this current moment in time, I just think they're too dominant. They're making a break into multimedia stuff. You know, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, the Uncharted movie was really good. Uh, they Sony as a company has always been more than just gaming. They have mm. these other resources. They're never going to be on the level of I Microsoft. Hey, I was on Google.com the other day <laughs> and I was actually looking for Walkman no, because I was. Why? <laughs> because I'm sick of looking into the uh, maze that 
is my uh, mobile phone, and I hate that everything is connected to that phone. My work <laughs> is connected to that phone. My life is connected to that that's phone. Fair, that's fair. And my music is connected. I'll tell you what I miss, Josh. Barely, barely even related to this, but I miss buttons. You miss where, buttons. Where I love those okay. chunky little clicky buttons. Do you really? Give me more buttons on stuff. My I fingers are not suited to buttons. They just don't work. I used to. Nah, nah, you, you remember? Are you going <laughs> to carry like CDs around with you then if you're going to get this Walkman? Walkmans are digital these days. Are they? Was I thought there was. Oh, no, I was a discman. I was, I was going to say. I thought Walkman was tapes. That's what I thought you were getting tapes. into the tape game again. You're tapes. My now. first Walkman was a CD. It's it's it's. I could get into tapes. I might uh, do. That would I be the, the, the dictionary vinyl definition collection. was a tape. Vinyl. Yeah. Yeah. Put a vinyl on your pocket. I might do, you know. You turn up with a messenger bag full of vinyls. Well, this is the thing. Skinny, skinny jeans are out now and yeah. big jeans are back in so I can probably have the pockets to get a vinyl in fits there. Them in. I, I have no idea what it. you're talking about. I can't remember either. I was talking about something. Uh, probably Xbox. I, just, I can't remember what it was. Something no. about Xbox. Something about video Sony games. Sony owning the space. Yeah, Sony might own the space, but, you know... Oh, multimedia, movies, TV, Sony doing all that stuff. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Like, yeah. They're never going to have the resources of a Microsoft who uh-huh. have limitless pockets because they swap from skinny jeans to start wearing baggy <laughs> jeans as well. Uh, but, you know, they're, they're, like, no way. No way is Sony going away in uh, 10 years' time. No way is playing. Well, this is... this away. is um, Obviously, Dallas, you can answer that too, but there is this wider thing of, like, are, is X, are Xbox products going to appear on a Sony streaming service or are Sony products going to appear on an Xbox streaming service? And you can... Know, some of that stuff's already happening already. There yeah. are logos in front of games like MLB. MLB, this shit, yeah. Yeah. But in terms of the console goes away and the the um, service appears somewhere else, that's an interesting thing to ponder in this world of this potential future mm-hmm. of monthly service stuff. But yeah, what does what do you think of Microsoft is seemingly like swarming everywhere though, aren't mm. they? Because my uh, Minecraft is on every platform, is it not? True. Yeah. Cuphead was um oh well, I can't even name anymore. It's Ori's on a few, Ori's on, Ori's on a few. Flying. Yeah. Like, Love Ori. They are seemingly pushing to be everywhere as mm. maybe a software developer. The um, thing is, I feel like they didn't, um, in, in the way that they're locking down Starfield mm-hmm. for later this year, obviously they didn't do that with Minecraft, but I feel like they learned from that. Yeah. I feel like some business person at the top has just gone, why didn't you lock that down? Yeah. Um, and I think that's probably just because the Xbox One was a terrible platform overall to, to make that play, but they very much feel like they can do that play now. Like one of the recent updates again from VGC was that um, Xbox Series consoles outsold PS5 in February, at least mm-hmm. in the UK. Um, and overall, it seems that they're getting more market share, even mm-hmm. though the Switch is like so far ahead. Um, but yeah, like overall, I mean, Josh mentioned like the appeal of IP and everything. Um, Halo is their flagship, or was their <laughs> flagship, and a little Master Chief helmet exists inside every series console. Yeah. Um, but if you look at the statistics, according to Forbes, um, saying that what the um, peak numbers on Twitch, the pitch, um, peak streaming numbers, are less than 1,000 for Halo Infinite. They are diabolically tiny. Right. Um, and on they were 704 when Forbes put their report together. On Twitch, is that? On Twitch, yeah. <sighs> Just in terms of an indication of, I guess, like, you know, popular IP and uh-huh. what people are going to, um, Halo has dropped out of the top 10. It, it barely, it's, apparently, it struggles to get more than 1,000 people watching it. sad? It is a little bit sad. <laughs> because, so, James, what do you think like, of Halo Infinite? Right, so I am one of the, well, was one of the biggest, like, Halo fans. Like, I loved it so much. Halo mm-hmm. 3, Reach, even 4 to an extent were, like, games I played coming home from school, best games ever. <laughs> Halo 5, you know, didn't do that to no, me. No, it didn't. But I still clocked in a fair amount of hours in that game because it was just very good. But this game has just went down like a lead balloon. Like, it's just not enjoyable to play Yeah, anymore. so we had a nice few weeks with it. Yeah, that like me, it. you, Dan, Dirk and Jules played it every day for about a week <laughs> and then realised we'd done everything that we could do. Mm-hmm. No new maps in five months. No, no not new really. No modes in five months. Like... Halo 5, I'm going to go on a rant now. Do it. Halo 5 had Forge mode within two months of its release. Mm-hmm. 
And we're still waiting for Forge on this one. The thing is, like, they've done some modes, but they're very, like, just very minor they're tweaks. Not like modes. Tactical Slayer. Yeah, Slayer's not a mode. It's a, it's, it should be part <laughs> of it. Where's Infection? Where's, Where's Race? Where's Action Sack? Where's half of the game? That's fair. I must point out that in your rage, you're hitting the table, which the mic I apologize. I'm that angry. angry. Same um, as But no, it's just, like, it is disappointing how half baked the game is. And there's a weird feeling to it. I mean, Josh, did you ever end up booting it up? You were going back and forth on it a while. I just played uh, the multiplayer. I never right. actually got around to the campaign. No. Right. Because, well, that's the thing. You're not missing out on the campaign. Like, I really didn't like the campaign. I thought it was just felt really budget. Like, mm -hmm. the, every quote-unquote cutscene was just a hologram or two holograms talking yep. to each other. Very little texture work, whatever. It just felt like that thing where they were charging a decent price for it alongside the free-to-play multiplayer, but the mm -hmm. price tag wasn't worth it for the campaign itself. Mm -hmm. When it's such a, and you mentioned this on the last pod, uh, podcast, Styles. There's such a contrast between the way that Xbox first party stuff is in terms of production value and quality and opulence and whatever you want to call it um, versus the likes of Horizon, which are on Sony's side, which are just dripping in. And even if you don't care about stuff like teeth quality or the <laughs> pores of Aloy's face, those things are in there mm -hmm. um, in a way that they're not on the Xbox side. What do you guys think of, of that stuff? And the what way what is interesting, going back to what you said earlier about the management and stuff, mm. like Bonnie Ross who's in charge of 343, mm -hmm. is pretty much like second in command with Phil Spencer, is she not? I have no idea. I I'm think fairly so. certain she's like the second head of Xbox. And she's in charge of that studio, and she, they couldn't even do that there. And she's <laughs> in charge of Xbox as well as... three. I might be completely wrong. Mm -hmm. But being in charge of Xbox and 343 and not doing a good job at it... Mm -hmm. It's just concerning. I remember when um, Jeff Gerstmann and Giant Bomb just says, uh, you know, this, you're Microsoft, this is Halo, get it done. Yeah. And it was just like, that was when the Master Chief collection was all over the place. But yeah, I mean, like, Josh, what do you think of the, the Xbox portfolio? It's, um, it's TBC, isn't it? It's like, you've got <laughs> so much in the works, like you said earlier. You mentioned, you know, will they get to a point where they have a release every month, an exclusive mm -hmm. every month? And I think they will, just right. by sheer virtue of how many studios they um, have. have yeah. uh, but by their way to the top. It's, it's, it's kind of a weird thing where we, are in flux you know their portfolio at the moment to me it's it's nowhere near sony's what they currently have out you know i love forza horizon 5 i liked my time with halo infinite mm. uh i really enjoyed sable but that's you know not an xbox first party exclusive you know they have a lot of good games but they haven't had that one you know like jewel in the crown yet they, mm -hmm. they had gears 5 which i really loved i think that's as close as they've got to it mm -hmm. but for me when i think about xbox it's stuff that's in development it's stuff that's on mm -hmm. the way it's uh starfield it's um avowed it's the outer worlds too yeah. it's you yeah. know all of that stuff that will come out eventually but isn't quite there now mm -hmm. and you know uh -huh. me and scott uh, disagreed on this somewhat on the monday podcast about how quickly or how slowly they've turned these projects around and to me it's kind of like Phil Spencer's come in he's bought all of these studios uh, with the help of Microsoft's limitless resources <laughs> and cash but steering, vinyls. steering those <laughs> studios and getting them all on track is going to take a lot of work you know right. it's it's only been um, not even nine years since the Xbox One launch you know we've had Phil yeah, Spencer mm -hmm. coming in after that then making these acquisitions and now trying to put everything on track it's, yep. it's, 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 it's a long time for us like I said in the Monday podcast but it's a short time for video game development in my mm. opinion yeah. like these things take place over the course of a decade or more the yeah. thing that was interesting is they put out that uh, I think it's called The Power of Xbox the 20 year anniversary yeah. documentary really phenomenal look into their company and they're really honest about how much they got wrong with the Xbox One but the thing that really came through with that was how grassroots early Xbox stuff felt like internally it just was it was like give us the chance we want to do this stuff yeah. um, you've got to you know, let us do like, these different things and there was a real passion to that um, initial push mm -hmm. um, that I feel like has kind of just gone away and it's not to say that they have a corporate feel now because I don't think they do I don't think it's lifeless or anything but if you can contract 
contrast it with how the Xbox 360 felt as a brand, like the blades and all that. And when they rolled out the avatars, it was a bit like Nick, like trying to steal the Wii, the Wii Thunder yeah. or the Nintendo Thunder. But the Xbox 360 had a feel in a way that and um, the series systems don't. And yeah. it's, I, I kind of wonder how intentional that is because um, they want to have the most powerful console in uh, in gaming. And the Series X is this big, just totemic tower that just sits in the corner and does everything mm-hmm. um, and plays all your Game Pass stuff. But I guess like, yeah, how do you feel of like, oh, James Dallas, how do you feel of like the, the way the consoles have rolled out? Like having been like a lifetime fan, what's your, and what kind of energy does the series systems have? Well, I didn't buy the Series uh, X because I've got a PC. Well, I've got a PC, so it's the same thing. <laughs> um, but like the Xbox One, like somewhat blended into that Series X. Like the UI yeah. was the exact same, was it not? Oh yeah, yeah. It was just like, like, it wasn't a brand new experience. The new experience. one has uh, moving backgrounds. <laughs> That's oh, about wow. it. Wow. But like, it's not an entirely brand new experience. So no. Just... If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Ready to pop the question and take advantage of 30% off? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com to get 30% off. Select lab-grown diamonds. That's BlueNile.com for 30% off lab-grown diamonds. BlueNile.com. This podcast is brought to you by Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates Fast. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it just makes hiring all in one place so easy because you just get unparalleled access to job seekers. Plus, listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash WCG. Just go to Indeed.com slash WCG right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash WCG. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Which is like kind of intentional. They, they want to just keep it, it going. Yeah, it makes sense because that's what a PC is like. Mm. Because, yeah, you, it's not yeah. a whole new thing. But at the same time, you want that freshness. Yeah, I do. That's an argument for another day. Well, no, one hundred percent. I think it's. I think it's an argument for right now, James Dowd. <laughs> to be honest with you, because yeah, you're right. You know, like they, they, they made a huge point of 
the series consoles being iterative to the Xbox One, yeah. like in creating this sense of unity between the Xbox family. You know, like you mm-hmm. said, we have the same UI, more or less. We have the exact same controller, things yeah. like that. Uh, they were purposely having this unified vision. And I think what Scott was saying, you can trace that right back to early Xbox One, where they decided to not necessarily be Xbox just as Xbox. They decided to be Microsoft. And yeah. Xbox mm-hmm. was a subsidiary yeah. of that. And yeah. Windows was a subsidiary of that. Yeah. And everything took this homogenous um, look and feel both in its marketing mm-hmm. and in its actual features, you know, sharing the same UI as, as yeah. Windows or whatever. That you know, UI as well is awful. Oh, it's, it's like it's, Windows it's, phone. I hate it. It's the dog worst. I think like a while ago, <laughs> maybe years ago, it will have been years ago at this point. I think mm. we did a podcast with Ash and we were talking about just how that design literally killed the Xbox One for me. <laughs> I right. looked at that and got depressed. Like I looked at the tiles and just thought, this is making just me upset. I, I, I put... PS4 on in the lovely the, the lovely tones of the uh, mm, music yeah, yeah. and the lovely uh, blue hue that was hitting me. I was like, that's welcoming. The that's thing is, is not. on uh, PS5, I like how colorful that thing is. I like how much it showcases game art, but I don't like that they took away backgrounds. At least Xbox yeah, yeah. has backgrounds, but uh, like, true. but still, the, the tiled interface is just feels horrible. I remember when, it was about 2014, Xbox One started to revamp itself with a new update every single month or two, mm. and it was like a brand new UI every single time, yep. and it was, so, it was so cool to see them all, and and then they stuck with the worst one. <laughs> and then it's been that since 2015. Or I remember on the 360 where they had that blue UI that replaced the blades, but they kept the blades on the pause menu. And it's like, on, yeah. I think now, right now, if you play an old um, 360 game yeah. or original Xbox game, if you press both um, like the menu button yeah. and the window button at the same time, not start and select, because it's going to be a bit different. <laughs> that brings up that version of the blade. Yes. Um, so you can kind of get a little bit of it in there, like a little Easter egg for it. Uh-huh. Um, we should transition onto um, their biggest weapon, let's say, against the Sony exclusive machine or the Nintendo exclusive machine, which is Game Pass. Where do you guys land on Game Pass in 2022? I feel like the, um, the sort of general fervor around it isn't there in the same way that it was in 2021. Um, but I also think that might just be because we're further into the generation. It's more accepted. People are freaking out less about just how much money they're saving or how many titles are going onto it. Um, yeah, what do you guys think of that thing? Because they don't have the exclusives, but they just Game Pass is just kind of sitting there, and that is what an Xbox is. It's a Game Pass machine. I check on it like every two or three days. I'll just go on my PC, just check the Xbox app, mm. see what's there. And every mm. single time it is a third-party game. And I'm right. like, oh, okay, so there's this... Final Fantasy spin-off this week. <laughs> and then sometimes they're really good games, but they're never <clears throat> Xbox exclusive games every single time. They're never anything that reminds you of Xbox either. No. It's not like they're bringing past stuff in. Yeah. yeah. I don't mind that so much, you know. No, it's a good I, idea. Yeah, it's it's like like Scott said, you know, it's 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 there, it's established now. Um I think people look forward to it. I think it's been overshadowed only because of the games we've had over the past mm. few months. Like obviously we've had two big Sony games that everyone's been talking but about. But it's telling time. that nothing this year. We everyone's talking about the fact that the first three months of this year are historic and not a single release this year has been Xbox. It's true. No, you you're completely right there, but it's it's like they can't dominate every month. You know, they had a good uh, yeah. end of I would the year. Say last one month. Year. <laughs> oh, I don't know, man. You know, there, 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 there was that year where everyone was talking about like the Ascent and Death Star, and then mm. at the end of last yeah, year yeah. there was Forza Horizon Five, which got like ten million plays uh-huh. then there was that's halo true, true. which yeah, yeah. dominated even if people didn't like it you know it was a big thing well, that, that it first was, like, month the, like yeah like the bait was out you played it for 100 hours i did oh, i, I sort of james does yeah, i yeah, do think they have had months where they've just kind of like dominated in that regards i uh-huh. think it is just the fact that they're waiting now presumably for the next half of this year before mm. they can drop like hellblade senua's uh 
Sacrifice this new one? Is that the uh, old one? Yeah. The next Hellblade. Hellblade 2. It doesn't yeah. matter what the subtitle well, is. Why can we not think what Hell is? I think, yeah, Hellblade 2. The, f- the thing is, as well, when these months where it is exclusive, like um, third party games every single time, you realize that Sony can quite easily just replicate this on their own system, can't they? Yeah. Yeah. Because it's they've not got anything Game Pass other than obviously the exclusives every now and again, but mm-hmm. Sony can just copy this. It's oh, yeah. They assumedly will as well. Yeah. Sony has a lot of, you know, second party stuff yeah. that they could put on there in lieu of their first party stuff. You know, they've got this really good relationship with. Square Enix, they've got mm-hmm. a lot of their uh, second party games from them. Yeah. They obviously have a similar relationship with certain indie developers that Microsoft have with other indie developers to get those on whatever they you know True. produce mm-hmm. and get them exclusive for a little bit. I do think they could go toe to toe. It's just it's going to be interesting to see when Spartacus comes out, whether people stick with Game Pass or whether yeah. if they are more inclined to play on PlayStation, migrate over. Yeah, yeah. Uh, one, it was called Senua Saga. I had to Google it, but the, it. of course it makes sense. The other one is um, it is interesting because I wonder if like the that whole idea like the fervor on Game Pass it's almost, it is fun, almost fundamentally a background service like you have to go and seek out the new releases obviously you'll get them yep. sent to you as emails you find some stuff when you turn the console on but in PlayStation's case like their nearest comparison is PlayStation Now for now and it might become Spartacus or whatever but even when Spartacus is out unless they pivot all their marketing and move away from the exclusive stuff it's always going to be this ancillary like, rat, like you know it's it's a, it's another thing that's just part of your deal it's not why you buy the system Where well, it, I, but it is the case yeah, for Xboxes I, I have PlayStation Now that mm-hmm. comes out of my bank every month A99 <laughs> and I don't know why I can't remember the last time I played Brilliant. that I yeah. can't remember the last time I even checked what was on there I know no. Shadow yeah. Warrior 3 was a debut on it PlayStation was. Now okay. uh, but it's it's completely different to the way I treat Game Pass yeah. where like Douse was saying you know I'm on there apart from this month because I've just had too many games and I don't <laughs> want to look at any of the WWE games WWE 2K22 mate usually it'll be a weekly thing yeah. if not more regular when I jump on mm. check what's there download a few uh, to get to at some other point there's, there's, a, there's a routine there mm-hmm. uh, that I just don't have with Sony's current similar service. Yeah, I think I mean, that's the thing. Like In terms of um, how Sony catch up, like it is easy for them to do that. They make uh-huh. the right deals. They, I mean, that's the thing. They have that legacy catalog to lean on that Xbox don't have. Uh, I mean, Although I would take a Brute Force re-release uh-huh. on an Xbox as one of the 10 people who like that game, put it back available again. Can, but I, I, think once, can when, I say what I actually tried the other day? Yes. The xCloud streaming service. It works that? very well. Unbelievable. Like, <laughs> I couldn't be bothered to download. I think it was Flight Simulator. I deleted it because 150 gigs. Of course it is. <laughs> and I deleted it. And then it's just come out on uh, cloud streaming, just mm-hmm. playing it. And it was amazing. <laughs> and I didn't have to reinstall it or anything like that. And I thought, this could genuinely be the future of It's games. interesting because I remember when they first debuted that stuff, I was in the early flight, test flight, whatever mm-hmm. you call it thing. And then they put the official version out. And now yeah. when you go in the store, um, it gives you the option to just play it on the cloud rather yeah. than uh, buy it or whatever. And I, that, yeah, that feels like the closest they've got to the Netflix for games yeah. thing. Um, I still think for my personal taste, it takes a bit too long to set up the stream itself. Yeah. Yeah. Like if I'm going to dip it, if I'm going to take full advantage of it, I want to dip into a few games and then yeah. settle on something. Um, I think it takes a little bit too long, but the technology when it works, which yeah. it does work, is like magic because yeah. it doesn't feel like you're streaming something most of the time. Because I wanted to try the GTA San Andreas remaster thing mm-hmm. uh, because it's not on PC Game Pass, it's on Xbox Game Pass, right. but you can still stream it. Right. And I just had a go on it and I was just like, oh yeah, I won't buy this, but at least I've seen it and yeah. I've played it. Well, I mean, that's the thing. They need to get stuff in front of people a lot more. Yeah. Like that's, I just, I think for me, Xbox has an issue with, um, with branding and markets, like market share and market dominance and optics and all that kind of stuff. Things that Nintendo and Sony nail. Like, um, like I feel like we talk about Sony and PlayStation and Nintendo a lot more than we talk about Xbox, yeah. um, because most of the time we're talking more about Phil Spencer than we are about the brand of Xbox and what yeah. it used to feel like, which is such a contrast to how it was in the 2000s. I'll tell you why, friend. Go on, it's man. because 
Microsoft, Xbox, they're in the content game. That's what they're in. <laughs> they're not in the event game. They're in the content game. They're in the Netflix game. They're in the, uh, yeah. we have everything. We yeah. are a service. We are yeah. part of your life. We, we are not something that you have to tune into get every few months in the way that I would argue Sony is. Obviously, no, PlayStation's totally. are a part of your life, but the big the big state of plays, the big um, game drops, they feel like events, discrete events, mm. rather than part of a content conveyor belt. And I'm not saying one's better than either. Obviously, no, you Microsoft's need both. done uh, very very well with the Game Pass service and stuff, but they're two very different approaches in my opinion. Oh, totally. Like, I mean, that was always the thing with this generation is that they're playing such different games. Mm-hmm. Um, like overall, it's like there's this whole sort of 4D chess feel to what Xbox yeah. is doing and they are dominating the, the casual space. They're almost doing what uh, Amazon said they were going to try and do, like sort of become this go-to place for casual gamers. Um, and that's obviously why they put so much money into Game Pass and everything. But it is, I don't know, for me, it's like, I just feel like we don't talk about them as much, but that might just be because they are dominating the casual market and those conversations just never come through enough. I think we're going to be talking about them a lot in the second half of this year because when we were planning this podcast, you two were like, what the hell does Microsoft have? And I said... The games I'm looking forward to the most this year are Microsoft games. Which, mm. okay, so we've got Starfield written down here because I bet the next talking point is the plans for the rest of 2022. So they've got Starfield coming, yep. they've got Redfall coming. Yep. What else they got, Josh? They got Hellblades and you was Saga, which they I've potentially just have Hellblades. The That's subtitle. A tentative release date. It for, is a tentative. Forza Motorsport Eight. Forza tentative release date, but hopefully yeah. potentially. Oh, I mean, yeah, we're, we're talking purely tentative release yes. dates, yeah. but I mean. I reckon that's for every game that's coming out yeah. at the end of this year, to be every, fair. Anyway. To be fair, I guess by the time we get to the end of the year, if those things are true, then we have Gran Turismo 7 versus Forza. Like, that's true. For the first time in a long, mm. in a little long while. Um, but overall, I guess, like, yeah, like th- thoughts on their plans for the rest of the year. Can they hang the Xbox brand on Starfield, for example? 100%. 100%. I have zero faith in Bethesda. Look, a lot of people have zero faith in Bethesda, right? Yeah. But this, a lot of people, you know, view Fallout 76 as a justifiably disaster and in so many respects but I think and this is me to make wild wild assumptions people have separated that from quote unquote min Bethesda you know the Mm -hmm. the, the, Mm. what they expect from the people who made Skyrim the people who made Fallout you know what I mean in Starfield being the next version of that arguably their first game since Fallout uh, 4 which was 2015 7 years ago um, that dropping exclusively on Xbox it being a new IP that's that's Whatever you think of Bethesda, even if you're a lapsed fan, I just think that's undeniably exciting. Whether it hits, whether it misses, it's a big, big talking point. I remember when um, Fallout 4 dropped, and it's not that Fallout 4 wasn't a big deal, but I remember people comparing the sales of Fallout 4 to Skyrim Uh and saying that And a lot of the conversation at the time was like, maybe Fallout isn't as big a deal as we thought it was, that Elder Scrolls is is what the average person associates with with Bethesda, and that was their big thing. And like, I remember seeing like a billboard for Fallout 4 um, in like our local city, and I was like, that's cool that Fallout is getting out there, considering Fallout's origins and everything. Um, But I don't know, like, I mean, like in terms of like, like how much impact Bethesda has I just think we've had years of negative coverage uh-huh. like uh, that I just I'll, I'll I guess I'll not be amazed it's going to be thrown in front of people it's going to be on Game Pass but I just have zero faith in them as a dev like I don't think they'll pull it together but I, that's just my gut feeling James D what do you think I can trust call them. you James D there uh, I James can D. trust them I can believe that they might do it good <laughs> but I, I remember buying Fallout 4 on release and trading it in a week later because wow. I wasn't ah, a fan cool. of it. But Skyrim is one of my favorite games. Yes. Um, it's weird as well with you said about like Skyrim being more notable than like Fallout and stuff. Uh, I was speaking to my friend and talking about Elden Ring uh, mm. and he just went, oh, that's like Skyrim. And he doesn't play games at all. He <laughs> right. just said, oh, it, it looks, Skyrim it looks like Skyrim. Uh-huh. Um, 
But that's where a lot of people's go to is being like, oh, it's Skyrim or whatever. Like as a casual, because it's such point, a, yeah. it was such a big thing for even non gamers knew mm-hmm. what Skyrim is. Oh yeah, man, definitely. I mean, that's that's the thing. It's like now and then that's there was that whole. Obviously, it made waves when they got acquired, um, mm-hmm. and it's that whole thing of like Xbox owns the Skyrim people, yeah. and I guess they'll probably start cranking the marketing around that. You know, towards the end of the year. To me, obviously, the comparison is is apt because the developers make both of those franchises. Yeah. But for me, it's it's kind of like when people compare Red Dead Redemption to GTA. Yeah, okay. It kind right. of go why. Yeah. Is that not as big as that? Even though, G- yeah, yeah, even yeah. though Red Dead Redemption Two sold like twenty million copies and still <laughs> uh-huh. is a massive success, uh-huh. for me it's just kind of relative because Skyrim, especially, man, like that—that that was a once in a generation phenomenon. Mm, like yeah. the th- amount of coverage that got the amount uh-huh. of the arrows the way, in the knees, the arrows yeah. in the knees, the memes, the way that resonated with casuals and hardcore. Like, like mm-hmm. you can't replicate that with every game, even a franchise as big as Fallout, mm, in, in uh-huh. my opinion. So while it's Fallout was definitely less so than Elder Scrolls, I do think still relatively the fallout's still a big big thing mm-hmm. and I, I i just feel like the next game from the the developers of fallout from the developers of skyrim just has to be a big deal man yeah i hope so do you think that casual people will know that they are the developer like do you think that your friend will know that bethesda did it i think james douse it'll be all over the marketing from the creators of skyrim yeah. that they will have to know <laughs> you'd hope so. skyrim what was that the fifth one uh yeah. fallout that was the fourth one mm-hmm. yeah this is the first one, so it doesn't have that other. other I think you can if you say it's Skyrim. Yeah, I'll, I'll not Skyrim. not to do a kind of Uno card on you right on. now, no, but I would I would bring up the comparison you just made to Elden Ring. Elden Ring, yeah, okay, is the best-selling um, new game mm-hmm. in the UK at least that isn't Call of Duty or FIFA mm-hmm. uh, since Red Dead Redemption Two. You know, like, there was something about it being the the the. His biggest debut since 2016 or something. The totally, Division okay. was the last biggest one or something. And it's like that, to a lot of people, is kind of like this new IP, but it got uh, the mm. reviews. It had the hardcore kind of appeal because everyone was expecting the next From Software game. Yeah. yeah. And I'm not saying they're going to get it right. I just mean mm. in a in an ideal world where all of the cards fall into place, uh-huh. I think Starfield could chart a similar course to an Elden Ring where because oh, de- mm. for me I'm like that that Elden Ring is paying off like 10 years worth of from software being on the form of their lives like going from Souls to Bloodborne to Sekiro with multiple Souls games and then it's the next game from that team Bethesda have not been on the form of their lives like they've been the worst they've ever been for like a decade I, 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 I just I, like, I know exactly what you mean yeah. I'm just throwing that in as like in terms of what I was thinking when you were saying that because mm-hmm. um, I wish that was the case I think in the marketing they'll lean on the fact that it's the, ne- the first new IP from um, the team that brought you Skyrim and they'll try and just lean on that and be like forget the last decade because that's what we're pulling from so it'd um, be like 2011 because Pixar films do that in their trailers yeah. they yeah. always say the latest one from the Incredibles director and Finding Nemo which came out 20 <laughs> years ago there is also this wider point that the thing that we're talking about the most as the next flagship for Xbox is just something that they acquired last year like you know, and until yeah. then it was multi-platform. Assumedly, mm-hmm. um, it is just this thing where Xbox have bought their way into the into yeah. the conversation. Let's say in a way that Sony and Nintendo are making first-party exclusives and making first-party decisions in a way that Xbox kind of are by default because they've bought so many studios. Yeah. But they don't have the Naughty Dogs. They don't have uh-huh. um, you know the, the various Nintendo studios that make their stuff. I don't necessarily. I, I fully think that's a valid point, but I don't. I, for me, I kind of see that, and like that's just the case of, in my opinion, them working smarter and not harder. Mm-hmm. Like, like yeah, they couldn't go toe to toe home growing these things. They had yeah. the resources to buy their way in, and it's like, for me, there's not one way to do things that's inherently better than the other. So, no. like, if they bought their way in, they bought their way in. Like, I mean, they I... spent billions of dollars to 
justify it and call that a Microsoft game. <laughs> well, I, I think of Gears of War as an Xbox franchise. Like, it became one, but it's epics. Like, yeah. you know, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. it's things like that. Like, yeah, it's not that those moves don't make sense and, and work, but it is kind of interesting in regards to brand feel or, like, ways yeah. that they can sort of get back, uh, get back on top. Um, as a final thing, because um, we all... I said to James, uh, Dows, you have a PC. Me and Josh both got Series Xs. Yeah. But are you both, like, quite happy with where... Like your actual usage of Xbox, because for me, I barely use my Xbox. I'll check on, check in on Game Pass um, every sort of few weeks, but it's quite rare. Like I think maybe just the state of twenty twenty two as it's been has been a very Sony Nintendo year so far, at least third party mm-hmm. stuff. But even then, I'm kind of gravitating towards PlayStation because I want to try and get the trophies or whatever. But um, either of you, in terms see, of comfort, see, typically I play a lot of like I don't I won't class them as indie games, but like the pedestrian unpack. What a game! Like I play. Lawn Simulator I downloaded the other day. Like <laughs> I love these kind of rubbish, crappy games that uh-huh. are just the best fun, and that's what I associate Xbox <laughs> with at this point. Like I'll turn, um, I'll turn my PC on and mm. I'll just play Goat Simulator for an hour. And right. I'm like, have I paid for the latest graphics card to play this? <laughs> and then I'll just go to my PlayStation, play Elden Ring or whatever, mm-hmm. or Spider Man. Um, but I get my money out of Game Pass. I think every single month. Potentially. Well, that's um, what they're going for. They're giving you the bulk. They're yes, giving you everything else. I've got else. so yeah. much to choose from. There might just be too much at this point where I'm mm-hmm. just like, oh, I'm playing the same two games. Out I think of it's a like thousand. I, I think it is like fascinating because it's this year. It's been like so many headline grabbing games like yeah. Dying Light, Pokemon, Horizon, Elden Ring, whatever. Uh-huh. Um, and then Xbox is just, but here's everything else. And yes. it's like, and that yeah, is yeah. so valid. Obviously, it was always valid, but it is interesting. And in in like the first three months of this year have exemplified that divide more than ever. Even though we talked about it coming last year, and we've seen it like showcased, like you know, Pokemon is Nintendo, yeah, and you got Horizon on the PlayStation, and then Xbox is just everything else. But Josh, thoughts on Xbox use? Um, for me personally, I've, I've used the Xbox more than I have since. 2012 probably like I, I never <laughs> to be fair it was up. under your bed that's for saying, a long like, time I used the Xbox one so little I just shoved it under my bed because I was sick of seeing it be neglected in my uh, <laughs> TV space so yeah since I've got the Xbox um, Series X I've got regular use out of it and like you were saying you know it's only been this month where there's been so many games that haven't been on Game Pass uh, that mm. I wanted to jump into or PlayStation yeah. exclusives two big PlayStation exclusives that's just very very quickly yeah. that's one thing that's changed this year is that last year especially towards the tail end of last year Xbox or Microsoft were doing those deals to get whatever the newest thing was on Game Pass straight away. Yeah. I noticed that um, on this week's stuff where Shredders is on there and that's got a little bit of a buzz as like the next SSX type thing and then it was like oh and also it's on Game Pass. I feel like oh also it's on Game Pass was every week at the totally, end of last yeah. year. Yeah I mean I, I, I fully expect that to start ramping up mm-hmm. especially after E3 I'm sure they'll have uh-huh. like lots of announcements mm-hmm. then but yeah they just haven't been able to like they physically haven't been able to do that with the big games at the start of this year because there was nowhere Elden Ring was ever going to go down mm-hmm. that route. Mm-hmm. Horizon obviously definitely wasn't no. maybe something like no it's like Sifu uh, was even a PlayStation exclusive you know what I mean so like those mm-hmm. games that you God, if, it, if they'd thrown enough money at FromSoft they probably could have got a month or something for Elden Ring I, it's, I keep going backwards and forwards on this maybe mm. it could be its own podcast of whether or not FromSoft is going to just end up being with Sony are, or whether they're going to be acquired by one or I keep other. seeing a rumour that Sony are looking to buy them but I just why like they have full creative freedom so, and they're flying right now Sekiro yeah. was Activision wasn't it this yes, one's yes. Bandai Namco yep. so Bloodborne was Sony yeah, so they just swip and swap every single yep. time, don't they? Yeah, wow, okay. totally. Pretty much, um, which is definitely working in their favor. But um, yeah. overall, though, um, as my laptop dies during this podcast, mm. um, yeah, we've just thought we'd have a little check-in on the Xbox thing. We might do a PlayStation 1 next week because I feel like we've been very, very honest about the Xbox stuff, and we just just set the world to rights. And maybe that so. needs to be done um, for Sony stuff and Nintendo stuff, too. Um, but for now, this has been the World Culture Gaming Podcast. I've been your host, Scott for joined by Josh Brown. Goodbye. And James Douse. Peace and love. <laughs> we'll catch you all next time. Bye-bye. Bye. See ya. Yeah.
ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.